What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Yeah, no, this is, uh, my husband has like this, It's a, it, the whole thing, it's not a mic, obviously, it's like a whole thing, but it's. But what else is it? I mean, it's a microphone. It's for our listeners, it's like if we end up phone. using this, uh, our, our, our guest has a microphone the size of my head. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's a big giant. There's, Looks like the robot monster home. It's a it microphone does. with like a foam head around it is basically what's happening. It's a giant but foam head. What my is husband the, uh... does voiceover work. So he <sighs> has a little bit more of this kind of tech. I mean, apparently this is not that great, he says, but it's better than what my computer provides. So oh, it sounds fine. Um, I'm not joking. It is maybe twice the size of her head. <laughs> it, I don't think it really is. It oh, just, okay. It I see. It's, it's, it's like up front. It, it's a little forced perspective. It's actually only situation. the size of her head. <laughs> it looks like it's so big. <laughs> it's, it's, Can we yes. do the whole show about the about the microphone, please? We could. I think, and well, and Joe could just spend an hour talking about forced perspective and its use in 50 And if you're just going to hide, hide behind it, which you, which you were doing earlier. <laughs> yeah. I will, well, I'm also Imagine. scared. David said that I'm supposed to be talking into the microphone, too. Right. right. So it, I can't, I have fine. to look at you guys through the side corner. No, no, you don't. It's a, it's coming across fine. Okay. okay. We're still trying to get Joe to talk into the microphone. We get, uh, <laughs> we get mail, folks. We get mail. We hear you. We hear you. <laughs> You you try telling an established member of the DGA for 47 years that uh, he needs to talk into a microphone. It's, it's uh, not that yeah. I need to talk into the microphone. I need to, to not mumble. I need to not enunciate. Uh, well, that's me. You enunciate quite well. I, I mumble, but I mumble into the mic and you you talk away from the mic. Well, and, you uh, know what? I would say that, you know, so I mean, actors are the ones that are supposed to be trained how to speak mm -hmm. into a microphone. But yet so many actors... I can't even hear them in a scene when I'm two feet away from them. <laughs> you know, I, I have a loud voice and I was, I was trained in the theater. I mean, you know, I went to school for theater, so I was trained to project. So it's a good probably thing. don't need such a big microphone. <laughs> when did that change? I remember, um, I don't know. I got into a thing in the, in the, uh, in the early audies with a bunch of friends. We, we watched 24. Ironically, I want it noted. And I noticed, and it wasn't the first time I noticed this, but it really hit me that like the new thing for the last few years, at least in TV, was that everybody talked like this. No matter what was going on, there's a terrorist, he's got a gun. Shoot, no, freeze. It was so weird. Like, when did that happen? When did you that watch too many golf games. <laughs> this was a show about a guy chasing people with nuclear bomb suitcases. It was very... Maybe it was help help to like it was, that show was so intense. Maybe yeah. it helped bring down the intensity. That was a good impression. Uh, uh, thank you. Yes. No. I've I've often thought I should do voiceover work. We're I, we're um. Should we should we uh, should we uh, by by the way here's here's yeah. the crazy thing. The odds are more people listening to this show if you play it anywhere in the world will know just by her voice who our guest is. Because am I incorrect that like. Any given moment, Bones is showing in 43 different countries. Probably. It's but but like here's that. the thing. Yeah. My sister is also an actor. Right. And she has a very, we have very similar voices in that I sometimes can't tell 
the difference if I hear one of our voices recording. Oh. So, well, wait a minute, which which one of you will get bigger ratings for us? Because we can just. Uh, <laughs> well, we know it's not me. <laughs> we are here with Caleb Deschanel, folks. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> no, I, Sam, my sister. I I know that's why I, I can say that to get voiceover work. Just like pretend it's Zoe. And, do you know? Do you know that? Um, uh, allegedly, allegedly, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. My understanding is that most of the time, when you think you're watching Martin Sheen doing a car ad, it's his brother Joe Estevez who sounds just like him. No way. That is my understanding. I could be wrong. Well, hey, I I should be using this to my advantage here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a bunch. Yeah, no, I I, I would because here's the great thing. Even if he's doing it, and I don't know anything, and I could be just I, I have no intention. I want to stand for the record. I know not what, what I speak, but it seems to me that like, if you had a terrible relationship, you know, it, with, with this person, you, you could still do it. Like what's your brother going to do? Sue you for, you know, going out and making a living, trying to sound like him. It's just, you're not saying who you are. You're just right. speaking. Yeah. What am I you have a legal department not? that can, uh, <laughs> yeah, that I, can I, tell you yeah. if that's okay to say. Yes. <laughs> This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Well, we, we are talking to uh, the great and wonderful Emily Deschanel, who... Um, a uh, longtime friend of the show, actually, because she helped us uh, lure one of our big guests a while back. We got her dad, Caleb Deschanel. Uh, and he was, he was a wonderful guest, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for, thanks for your help with that. You're so welcome. And I've been trying to get <laughs> Emily on for a while. And I want to ask you a serious question before we jump in, because she sent me an email a little while ago. And she was apologizing for the fact that, that uh, she's going to talk about some of her favorite films. That it wasn't, I think you would use the term highbrow enough. I hope I'm not revealing any secrets here. No, and, not at all. And Joe, I, I think it's safe to say I spend more time talking to people about coming on the show than you do. But, you know, you, you've talked for DT when like we have a thing that I've slaved over that we send folks. I talk to people. I've got friends who are afraid to come on the show still, no matter how much we stress that we are not about academia. We are not about no, it's not, no matter how much we tell them we are determinedly lowbrow. They, and we just, we just want to know what you think. Register. We don't care. It's not like, what are the movies that moved you? What are the, what are they, how, what matters to you? That's the only thing that matters. People are like, well, I'm afraid that you're I just, I don't know. And you're like, I, you don't have to, you don't have to know. Some people come on and they just, you know, they wing it. Some people spend a week watching every movie they're going to talk about and studying them. Some people just, it's just like, we just want to talk to you about movies. That's it. But how do I, what could I have possibly said to have gotten you over that hump sooner of like, I think because I know you said I, at one point you're. If I'm honest, Josh, and I say this because we're friends. Yes. But I think well, I listened to some episodes, and you kind of were like, "Well, some people think that's a schlacky movie," and it'll be like <laughs> The Shining, which I understand. My, I there's something, and I was like, "Schlocky," that's the word, or something like that. And I was like, "I know you weren't saying it, but you're saying some people <laughs> saying that," and I'm like, "Well," <laughs> so that I feel like some of those things make me feel like I shouldn't say that I like The Shining. I, I, I things like that. But I'm not even saying I like The sl- Shining. The Shining is like fantastic film. Well, first of all, I also by the way, like, way more highbrow than any of the junk you said. So I'm just um, <laughs> oh, any of the what? Any of the junk you're going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's true. 
but I love the shiny. Listen, I love highbrow too. And I love, I, I mean, well, a certain amount, but I feel like I love it in an intellectual way more than I actually connect with it emotionally. Right. I love being entertained. I love watching yeah. things that excite me and scare me and thrill me. And, um, and so sometimes that's an action movie, you know, sometimes that's, uh, Sometimes that's a comedy. I mean, making me laugh, that's so big. That's a huge, yeah. huge thing for me. So what you're saying is um, you like to feel something when you're at the movies instead of just thinking about them. Yeah. I mean, oh, I that's can so lowbrow. That's I don't know if we can even, we can't <laughs> do this way, Joe. This is this is painful. I, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I have a, I can appreciate I appreciate things that like listen, I took films that I mean I I went to college for theater. I basically have no, I have a BFA, which means nothing whatsoever. I literally have a high school education, essentially. Uh, but I had film class in high school mm. with an amazing teacher named Jim Hosney, who also went on to teach at AFI. And we would, and it was also like not necessarily highbrow, but it was an, like analysis, film analysis and looking at different, uh, you know, writing papers and right. uh, Freudian analysis, different things. So you're looking at things from different ways. And I love that. But when I think about what made me excited about making movies or, you know, TV shows and entertaining people, it's, it's, it is more low. <laughs> it isn't the like, oh, the thing that stimulates me intellectually to write a paper. It's, it's the thing that uh, makes me feel something emotionally, which yeah. you get. That's that's that's. Well, I guess I guess the question is how many Bowery Boys and Three Stooges movies are on your list? Yeah, because that's really I what we judge love, you on. That is I it. mean, that's. I grew up with Three Stooges, absolutely. Three Stooges, all of the. I mean, you know, women uh, tend to not like Hardy. Three Stooges. Would you say <laughs> the Stooges are not popular generally with women? I found. Oh, interesting. Well, you know what? I haven't really watched them again. They might be offensive. There's so many no, things. No, they're not offensive. They're just silly, you know? I mean, they're two guys hitting each yeah. other. Three guys. I don't, I love silly. I love silly. Like, I mean, I, I like, I love the movie Dumb and Dumber. I love, like, I loved Dude, Where's My Car? Like that, those <laughs> things, I love that kind of stuff. Um, if you can make me laugh in that way, oh my gosh. Um, so have we talked oh, about that. the Stooges before, Joe? My my terrible, terrible Stooges history. What's your Stooges? We haven't history? talked about your terrible Stooges history, it's but we have on occasion I, talked about the Stooges. I used to. Um, I was a. Uh, uh, I mean, I say this. You know, it, it's true. I was a latchkey kid in the sense that um, uh, for several years, my mother was single, and I would come home from school, and I would go to uh, the uh, around the corner. I'd go stay with the Popes for an hour and a half uh, until my mom came home. And um, the Popes were three brothers, I and mean, they had parents, I, I think. <laughs> but there were three brothers. Uh, one was my age, the other two were younger. And they loved the Three Stooges like nothing else. And we would watch the Three Stooges because it was always on in the afternoon. And these three brothers would proceed to do to each other whatever it was the Stooges were doing to each other. Ouch. And I'm not joking. It would always end in bloodshed. <laughs> and yeah. one, of them, one of them grew up to make jackass. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm happy to say they all managed to grow up, but, but, uh, it traumatized me. I was like afraid. It was just like, you know, you'd see something, you'd almost want to laugh. And then you, somebody next to you would do the exact same thing. And there would be screams of anguish. So I oh only goodness. in later years, like in the past few years, I've gone back and, and uh, sort of acquired a late in life taste for the Stooges. It's a good taste to, to acquire for sure. But I, I can see where that's traumatizing. I have, 
as the mother of two boys who try to murder each other on a daily mm-hmm. basis, I can I can completely envision that scenario happening. Yeah, don't have a third is all I'm saying. Yes, exactly. That was the problem. Three is is not the charm. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have any more. So I think we're good. (laughs) Um, Well, well, Emily, do you, after all that, are you prepared to uh, dazzle us and impress us with your erudition? Oh, oh, of all the movies that I love? All your fine taste? My fine, fine taste. Okay, so yes, I would love to talk about so many different things, but I would love to start with, this is Spinal Tap. Well, that's oh. highbrow. Christopher <laughs> Guest, movies in general, even though he did not direct This is Spinal Tap, but I'm a huge fan of all of those films. Yeah. The, fir- the first one being This is Spinal Tap. And I want to say that I kind of looked at this as like the movies that made me, the movies that inspired me as I came of age. So I'm looking at a lot of, like when I was thinking about films, these were films that for the most part, were kind of part of me growing up and 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 shaping me as a person. This is Spinal Tap specifically for us as kids. We grew up with my dad being a cinematographer, traveling all over the world. So we went on location different places. Oh, he took One, you. What'd you say, Tokyo? He took he took you with him? Oh, oh yeah. Oh wow. Wow. So, I mean, sometimes he would just do something in the summer and we'd just go, we'd go and it would just be the summer or sometimes we'd go and visit, but there were good chunks where we went the whole time. So he actually directed a movie and he directed, and he did it in the Seychelles, which is this gorgeous <laughs> place off the coast of Africa in the Indian Ocean. And um, we lived on this island called Ladig, which is like the third largest island and there's like a hundred of them, right? But it's probably the third island that most people live on. And we lived there for several months when I was 10 years old. And on the island, there was one store and the store had, you know, old flour and, you know, a, some milk and, you know, the things that you need. It's a general store, but, you know, literally there are 10 cars on the island. This is a very small, and, and the production brought in probably five of them or more, right? There were ox carts that drove people around in this island, you oh, know? Wow. Uh, we went to school on that island. Um, I mean, it's a gorgeous place. It's, it's, it's where, you know, people go on vacation. So we were, you know, we were living there, but not for And you're, you're a little kid at this point. 10. I was 10 yeah. years old. And and do you want to do you want to and and among the uh, lovely thing where you, were you getting all dreamy over Aiden Quinn or was that no not yet okay I mean I I could totally see that now but I was ten so like, okay. I can see how he's totally dreamy but as a ten year old I was not interested in boy now uh, but I did have a boyfriend named, named Michelle I did not know that he was my boyfriend but he was my boyfriend everyone told me. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it was wonderful for a kid growing up in Los Angeles to go and live on an Island. And, you know, we, I could bring one toy and we were, had to be so creative anyway. And we went to school there. Um, it was, it was a completely different thing. We had to learn marching in school cause they go to, they go, go into the military. Anyway, there's a very long preamble to the story that I want to say, which is that they had two. No, I am wrong. They had three VHS cassettes that you could rent from this store at the, on the island. One was a, an animated movie of, I think, Watership Down or something. Oh, sure. it, yep. You know, it was like, but it was with it. Very dark. 
yeah, with rabbits or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Very dark. So I watched that once. The second VHS was the VHS of the second half of the movie Gandhi. Oh, sure. Because I would have been at two. Half. Yeah, they would. Because just the second two hour half. tapes, they would come in those big boxes. So just the second. Yeah. Okay. So and the, the later third years. was this is Spinal Tap. Wow. That's an eclectic assortment. So you no can way. guess what the 10 and seven year old girls yeah. watched hundreds of times. Yes. This is Spinal Tap. And my sister being the performer, like since she was like came, sprung forth, you know, uh, out of the womb uh, was, you know, did a perfect Bobby Flackman impression, who is um, Fran Drescher. Retro, First right? time we were introduced to her, Bobby Flackman, the hostess with the most. But my sister at seven could do a perfect impression. Oh, that's creepy. Um, you know, I mean, it's totally inappropriate in a lot of ways for kids to be watching this. And I think about having kids around the same age, actually. I'm thinking of things like the, I mean, a lot of it you wouldn't get, I guess, like the herpes. The oh, herpes that's an, I did yeah. not get yeah, until yeah. later on, yeah, obviously. That would, yes, yes. <laughs> Money uh, talks and bullshit walks. You know, we got to hear bad words and stuff right. like that. Harry Shearer but, and the cucumber in his pants. And, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we just thought that was so silly. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the dog call. A man has a cucumber in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, I mean, there's so many uh, amazing performances in that movie. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many memorable lines of like choking, not on your own vomit, but on someone else's vomit. <laughs> he died choking on someone on else's vomit. vomit. Not his. <laughs> Not his own. You can't, you can't dust for vomit. <laughs> I think it's the line, something like that. All, you know, improvised Harry Shearer. And I mean, uh, those guys, Christopher Guest, no. Michael McKean, um, who they're all just so brilliant. I worked um, with those guys on small soldiers. They came in and did, uh, voices for the, um, the Gorgonites who were the uh, outcast um, uh, toys. And, of course, there was some stuff written, but almost everything in the movie was completely made up by these guys at, yeah. those, at the session. It was, yeah, that must have been it was really just great. so incredible to watch them just improvise and go. <laughs> well, one of the things I, I learned years later, you know, after, after loving it, of course, um, which I also thought was really impressive and, and it works, is that if they shot something that would not have been allowed in a quote unquote real rockumentary, no matter how funny it was, they would cut it out. And there's, um, you know, years ago, a, uh, I guess it was a Criterion version came out that had a whole bunch of outtakes. And, you know, there's an hour and a half of just screamingly funny material that's not in the film, but it's stuff that no band would have allowed into a movie about them. And they were just right. they were ruthless. Like some of the funniest stuff they did is not in the film because they're like, this would not be allowed in a film about a rock. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that. That's it's, amazing. It's pretty great. I mean, there's stuff with them doing drugs and, you know, things right. that, like, you know, like, you, know <laughs> you would have to shoot. And then you sort of go, yeah, they wouldn't. Let they wouldn't. let. I love that authenticity. You feel that authenticity, yeah. you yeah. know, it really feels like it is a documentary crew yep. that can't get an ideal angle, uh, you know, wherever they are. They're playing a part. People are aware of the cameras there. Um and if you will, rockumentary, I believe is what he said yes. at the beginning. <laughs> and if you will, rockumentary. Um, so, uh, yeah. Oh, I have to go back and watch that. I, I get to see so little things, so few things. 
with the children, uh, with young children that I have. So I will say that there, I have not rewatched a lot of these films that I'm talking about, but some of them I've seen many times. Well, they'll, be, uh, they'll be ready for Spinal Tap soon. Yes, yes, I really hope so. And some other Christopher Guest movies they might be ready for already, you know? I mean, you know, from uh, Waiting for Guffman is one of my top favorites ever. They probably like the dog show movie. Yes. The dog, that's what I'm thinking. Best in show. That would be great. The, you could do a whole, um, you should do a whole show about good, um, about children's movies. If you want to. What the good children's movies are. Who is it? Somebody to get some children to, to come on. Yes. Yeah. Try to get someone to do it. I can't remember who, um, but it came very close. But yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. There's so many good children's movies and it's interesting. That's what I end up seeing nowadays. Sure. Um, what else should we move on to other yeah, sure. other things? I don't know. You guys can tell me like if you I passing grade on that one, probably right, Joe? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Passing grade. Yeah. 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 Okay. But you still have a long way to go before. But it wasn't really highbrow enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm in trouble because none of <laughs> highbrow enough for your We've we've never had a guest storm off in a huff. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you know what made Mark well, Marin? You know what made his podcast? I was talking to a friend of mine. He reminded me of this the other day when when he sort of skyrocketed from a you know because he was in the early days. It was when he had Gallagher on, and Gallagher got so pissed off at him that he stormed off the set. That's what, <gasps> and that's that's what kind of catapulted Mark Marin's podcast. Why did Gallagher get so mad at him? What did Mark Marin do? I, he, he didn't do much. He was just sort of asking him questions. And I guess Gallagher didn't want to. Talk about too personal, too personal. Gallagher's a bit of a he's a bit of a thorny character. Other things, I'd say that you know I got really into Hitchcock. Those are slightly more highbrow than (laughs) on the scheme on the scheme of things. (laughs) He's just he's kind of the schlocky side of highbrow. So no, but we're we're unimpressed. No, nothing's going to be highbrow. Nothing in this show is going to be highbrow at all. I don't think. Well, I don't know. I don't want to sell anything short. But it's, there's going to be a range. Emily's range is like much more lowbrow. And then we're going to get some, you know, some will be slightly more highbrow, but that doesn't mean they're highbrow. Um, so it's really Emily's list. It's Emily's list. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yes. We have a title. Do you guys have favorite Hitchcock movies? Everybody's got favorite Hitchcock. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say mine, I, I, I mean, Vertigo. I kind of have a love for Marnie too. I. Oh. I like the weird weirdness of that movie. And then, um, but I, I don't know. I got into so many of those, you know, I think in my high school year. So we started at 10 and now we're in my high school. I, I should maybe go chronologically. I don't know. No, I'm gonna go. Well, um, wait, wait, I want to go. So Vertigo, like how were you a kid when you saw Vertigo? Teenager, I think. Maybe, or maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe 13 or so. You know what I love too? I love plot twists. I'm going to talk about La Femme Nikita. That has such huge plot twist to me. I love a, I love female leads and I love plot twists. If I can like look at things that like really like get me excited. I mean, that's why I love that show Homeland too. Mm. <laughs> you got crazy good plot twists and <laughs> a female lead. Anyways, um, uh, yeah. I uh, I love a good plot twist, and I feel like Vertigo has such a good plot twist. Um, I mean, so does 
um, Psycho. Sure. I mean, you start that movie off, you think it's a completely different film than yeah, with Janet what it turns Lange into. She's a star in this film, and right. She, yeah, exactly. She's like running away. She's in her car. She gets to that hotel. You think this whole movie is going to follow her, right. uh, and then it completely. Don't spoil changes. it. There may have been people who haven't seen Gus Van Sant's remake yet. That's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm still friends. So you, you do. Vertigo is easily Hitchcock's highest brow film. Like that's the okay. one with the most. It didn't. What was it? Sight and Sound, Joe, or something? Didn't well, it? yeah. It's 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 it's, it's uh, leftover Citizen Kane as the. Uh, you know, the most popular or the greatest, the, movie, of greatest movie of all time in that spurious list that Sight and Sound oh. does. Uh, but, uh, but it, you know, Vertigo is also a, a very adult movie. I mean, it's yeah. not, uh, I, I wouldn't think that kids would be able to follow it. because Yeah, that's why I'm fascinated. It, it wouldn't be, you well, know, was a I was in high conceptually. School. I was in high school. I wasn't so young, but. Uh, you mean it, it? You mean for like children, or you mean even for a high? You even, mean even for high school, because it's not like you know, Rear Window. There's a murder. We're going to try to solve it. Right, or psycho. Or this, well, but, I love but, like, Rear Vertigo Window is, too, but Vertigo, Vertigo is such a so much more interesting. Yeah. To me. I don't oh. know. I just love them all. I love I love them all. Honestly, well, maybe not them all. But I'm going to send I, you a copy of Topaz, and then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I actually saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I saw. I think though. I did see them all, though. I think, like, or at least I saw as many as I could find at the store, and then you know, again, the VHS tape we're talking right. about. Um, but um, but yeah, I maybe maybe I was very you know adult for my age. I, I yeah, I think a teenager that. who's who's digging vertigo. That's that's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. I was I'm I was very sophisticated and I just went downhill. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys have what are your favorite Hitchcock movies? I, mean, I like them all, almost all, but Foreign Correspondent is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, but it's just such a great movie. It's uh, the art direction is incredible. There's a plane crash that's for 1940s astonishing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got a great script. It's really funny. It's, it's witty. Um, but I mean, I, I, it's typical of, of the good things about all the movies of his that I like. Yeah. North by Northwest is so good too. I love North by Northwest. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's like that or rear window or notorious. Um, kind of oh yeah. Notorious. It's Cause Cary Grant's so good. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. he, he never so gets the credit he deserves. He's, he's really good at it, but he's, First time I saw that movie, I went, "Oh, I don't like him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's got such a dark, dark edges in that one, and you you don't expect that from Cary Grant. But, yeah, but yeah, you don't. can't, you can't. Yeah, there's always something good, as Joe said. That's true, even in Topaz. But <laughs> in Topaz, <laughs> that I don't even remember if I did see. Yeah, well, or yeah. is that the one? I mean, is that the one with John Vernon? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah playing yeah. playing at Fidel Castro. Playing Fidel Castro, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so that i don't know that so i love the hitchcocks um and then should i keep going yeah how it all goes how do i do this this is it just go from picture to picture it it, it goes like this (laughs) okay the next one i have on my list is pro might be like i mean one of my number ones, but it's not like one I watch so much, but like I said, I'm thinking about these as like 
the movies that I loved as they came of age. But La Femme Nikita, hmm. uh, Luc Besson. I mean, no. that film I just loved. I think especially being a woman, being a, I guess I was a girl when that, I don't remember when that came out. I think I was a teenager, but seeing a Aspiring woman. Aspiring to be a woman. Aspiring to be an a aspiring woman. woman. <laughs> aspiring woman. That's woman. it. I was an aspiring woman. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, coming of age. I don't know how old I was when I first saw it. But anyways, point is, I think um it was just, I think so important to me to see a woman kind of take back power, even though I guess she's being controlled. I mean, she's not having power, but she could fight and she was like given a gun to shoot. And it was so rare to see something like that. Also, a huge plot twist. That movie. You see, she's like, she has gone to prison. She get you think she's dead. You think she's been put to death. And then she comes back. Do you guys remember? It has been a long death? time. I, I remember some yeah. of this. Yeah, because she doesn't, it, doesn't they, they fake her death and then. They fake her death so she can right. become like a lethal assassin. A super spy, but yeah. everyone thinks she's dead. Yeah. And then she goes to spy school. It's so weird. And there's like Jean Moreau give, like doing this beauty lesson for her with this crazy music, um, which is interesting, too. Like you can't have a, a woman be an action star without her learning how to put on lipstick, basically. <laughs> Maybe part of what that is. Maybe that's a little problematic. I don't know. But um, I I love that film i think there's something there i longed for that as a girl growing up you don't see women having power or fighting or doing anything and i think i there's so many times where i felt like i didn't have the power in situations so i to me emotionally connected when i could see films like that and then you know i'll talk about terminator 2 later too on Another highbrow film. <laughs> um, but I completely stand by it. It's a, so entertaining well, and has a kick-ass woman. I mean, holy crap. Um, but even I, though, I as think, you say, she's being controlled and all the rest of that, there's still, you know, it, it, it didn't hit me until much later in life that, like, as a as a boy, you know, I've been given every cheesy ass power fantasy I could ever want a million times over. And, you know, the satisfaction of just watching, you know, whatever, uh, Bruce Lee clear a room of 50 bad guys or whatever, but, but, but girls, you know, you can count those on the fingers of two hands. How many times you just get those, you know, and it's dopey and it's if cheap, that, but, but you should have yeah. that. You should, you should get that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's never a surprise when a movie like that gets that kind of popularity. Cause it's like, yeah, make more of these. Yeah, I longed for that. And I mean, now yeah. we can count that many. I feel like you couldn't count that many when yeah, I was growing yeah. up. There was so few um, films where women had any kind of po physical power, you know? And I, I just wanted to see that. Um, yeah. uh, and now there definitely are. You know, you definitely see that. And I mean, I don't know what the statistics is. And Gina Davis is probably figuring that out. But I'm sure men are kicking a lot more butt than women are sure. still in film. And they're speaking more and have four more roles than women. Um, I, have, I have a bit of actually, it's funny. It ties in. I've got a, um, 
uh, I actually have a uh, Lady Rambo movie going into production in a couple of months. That, um, I and, heard about this, and, Josh. Yes, that's I'm all I'm so say, but, but we tried to make it a kind of sort of use all the kind of action tropes that you know were given to Clint Eastwood and Sylvester Stallone and all that. And I remember reading when 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 we were writing it. Uh, yeah, the Gina Davis thing where she was talking about lines. And I think it's a valid complaint that she has that there's some, well, she just basically, they broke down a year's worth of films. Is that it? And the number of lines given to women as opposed to men was just. She, they analyze everything year to year. How many yeah. roles women, how many roles are by women? How many roles are by, ba ba you know, down the gender line. And mm -hmm. it's also like for children and children's films, which is, more important in a lot of ways because it shapes young people obviously but yeah. um like what we're talking about how i grew up longing for that and it yeah. didn't exist right so anyways but she goes year by i mean year by right, year right. is that what you're saying she it's not well, just yeah, one but my, year my, she's done my this for years was, was was fairly specific basically the, like, the kind of thing we were doing it's like this is a taciturn ex-military you know she comes to town they've killed her grandfather she leaves a smoking crater where the town used to be and you know she has less lines than anybody in the film because she's the action hero. <laughs> you know, Clint Eastwood never says yeah. anything. He just shows up and goes, yeah. Well, I think we that We tried to counts. do that with her. <laughs> but, but if you were going to measure, I mean, it's like she's fully empowered. She demolishes every man in the film, but she also has way fewer lines than them because that's a thing of the genre. But I think the overall criticism is, of course, deeply valid. But like, I was very conscious writing this. It's like, we're, we're how not many other? Line. How many female roles do you have beside her? Uh, only a couple because she basically kills everybody and wants them all to be men. But <laughs> but uh, um, we do we do we do pass. There's a there's a there's a little old lady who um, who runs a pot farm that helps her out. And they talk about something other than men, so we pass the Bechdel test. Okay, nice. Yep. I love that. I love that. But uh, you didn't but mostly, get a makeup lesson with funky no music. No makeup play? lessons at all. When you said that, I remember going to say, "Oh damn, we should have done that." Makeup Let's lessons. play. I have to look at what that music is that they play, and I apologize because if I had had more time, I would have gone back and watched, you know, you know, some of these films so I can talk prep. more <laughs> eloquently. What'd you say? I said she didn't prep. I said she didn't prep. I didn't prep. I thought I would more, but I'm sorry. I'm busy. Well, I'm a busy person with two children and a well, the life. Is the point. The point is, it's like. We want to, we want to talk about the movies that you can talk about on a dime without having to prepare. You know, right? It's, it's um, so yes, so so far so good. So far so good. So I love those not? films. Mm -hmm. I also loved Heather's very much, um, and that was big in high school. Um, and my friends and I would literally reshoot the entire movie on our weekends on what like on, oh my god whatever camcorder like on video whatever parents video you know whatever Do you have any of these no we shot uh. it all on like friend i mean i remember it was like abby shaffron's house shout out to abby shaffron who's a producer in, in uh, reality tv i believe but um uh but yeah we would record scenes from the movie and you know we'd pick straws or whatever who'd play christian slater because no one wanted to play the guy you know because <laughs> uh, it's all girls um greetings and salutations uh, i do remember those amazing lines and we were always fascinated by when when the one the girl dies at the the first you know at the beginning when she chokes and she yeah, um falls to the table she po she's poisoned does she say corn nuts? 
think that's the line. Yeah. Corn nuts. Corn nuts. Um, these are the things that we would do. I mean, I think there's a, you know, I don't know. It's such an, in, that film just was so different and interesting and kind of dark. And, um, and then also had, you know, these interesting female characters, even if like they were all the bitchy girls. And so I guess it's a precursor to mean girls and stuff later on, which was a little more like Heather's is so stylized in yeah, such yeah. an interesting way that I loved. Um, we should, we should shout out to, to good, good friend and former, he's been a guest on the show, Dan Waters, who wrote Heather's. Um, Yay, and, and his brother directed Mean Girls, by the way, which. Um, no. Yep. Yes. What? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, Mean Girls kind of the more the more commercial mainstream version of Heather's. Yeah, like, but yeah. it couldn't exist without Heather's. That is correct. And and Dan, that by the way, that's going to be Dan's ringtone for the next year. Is you saying that? So, <laughs> <laughs> or at least just what his brother calls. <laughs> just what his brother calls. Yeah, couldn't exist without Heather's. <laughs> couldn't exist without Heather's. Um. I really, um, anyway, uh, yes, I, that film was so unique. I, well, actually, Michael Lehman, who directed that film, was a family friend. So that felt oh. kind of cool. It felt like. Oh, you knew him then. Kind of secretly cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. When we were kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before he did that movie. Um, and uh, so that kind of felt, you know, kind of cool to have some connection to that film. Um, and then I loved another film from when I was younger. All of these are really from when I was younger. Uh, Running on Empty, Sydney Lumet. Oh, yeah, with um, um, I was River Phoenix, right? River Phoenix. I was a huge River Phoenix fan. Sure. Um, who was it? What young lady wasn't especially, I feel like. But he's he was just great. But um, I love this. So this film, have you guys seen that film? It's a Not little a long more time. obscure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and comparatively highbrow. Uh, yes, very, very comparatively <laughs> highbrow. Um, we'll cut and this. I had to, you know, throw some things in. Um, I just, I do, I don't know. I was fascinated by the story. Oh, go ahead. What were you it's a family about? on the run, right? They were political dissidents yes. and yes. weather underground kind of thing, and they have to hide out. Isn't it Judd Hirsch? Yep. Yes. And, and who's the mother? Christine Lott. Christine Lott. Oh God, yeah, she's so good. They're both so good. I just love that idea. I don't know. I think when I, I especially, you know, you, I don't know, you kind of think about that stuff. You, you hear about people fighting for things they believe in and um, they blew up a building and they didn't know someone's going to be, no one was right, supposed right. to be there, but they blew up a building to fight to, I think to maybe a war protest, like mm -hmm. it was something like, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was anti-Vietnam. Yes, it sounds right. And so um, they, uh, you know, they're on the run for their entire lives, basically. But then it's heartbreaking because, because their son is this prodigy um, musician and, in or and he's coming of age. And so like he get I don't know if they say Juilliard, but it's clearly supposed to be yeah. a school like Juilliard, right? Um, I believe, and they might even say it. You know, he gets into the school well, now I'm giving away the whole movie if anyone has never seen the movie. Um, but so erase that. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we're supposed to be encouraging people to see movies they haven't seen or this is just supposed to be pure entertainment. I'm hoping this is supposed to be pure entertainment for people just to listen to. 
Yeah, and then by the way, it it's, turns out Norman is his mother. That's probably not right. <laughs> it's maybe the first, the most likely film so far that people haven't seen yeah. um, on my list. But it's worth saying. I, I've been meaning to go back to it. It's, it's a really interesting film. Were you, uh, were you a fan of it, Joe? Were you? No, oh, it's a. I thought it was terrific when it came out. Yeah. I think it was but a I, fan of his best performance too. So yeah. I agree, and I think too. I what I love. I too. I also love uh, Sidney Lumet as a director how you don't necessarily know a movie is a Sidney Lumet movie uh, unless you see the credits. Like to me that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I appreciate a, an auteur if you know, like, okay, that's, that's a Hitchcock film, you know, <clears throat> before you see the credits. Um, but I kind of, love the fact that Sidney Lumet directed so many different types of movies and he just made the movie that needed to be made, mm -hmm. you know, it told the story the way it needed to be told rather than like having to kind of put his stamp on something. Not that people necessarily think that way um, when they're doing that. But I just, I think because as an actor, that's how you want to do things too. You want to just like, you don't want to play every part the same way. You right. might end up playing every part the same way, but you should be trying to play it a little different. So, you know, you should be trying to approach it as a different thing. Right. Um, right. um but, um, <clears throat> and I would say none of these films are particularly like visually incredible. I mean, Hitchcock is so specific and, Heather's is very stylized in a lot of ways, but um, yeah. a lot of the films I would say are that I have, I, I don't know, I've, you know, like the documentary style of Spiner, Spinal Tap, all of that. I kind of, I love that. Hey, we're going to be back with Emily Deschanel in a second, but we just want to take a minute to uh, thank our sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, who all through the month of July are proudly showcasing women in film. Uh, these guys do great work. They're not just huge fans of our show, but you can get pretty much all the movies uh, we talked about here uh, on Emily's episode or any other episode uh, at their site, moviesunlimited.com. It's really cool. They've got a page now set up for the movies that made me um, for each episode. So you click on one, uh, like here, you know, you get a Dr. Zayas's page and you click on it. And it's literally, it's not just every movie that he came to talk about. It's every movie that got mentioned on that episode that is available on video in some form or other. So you can go there and you can get your favorite movies from them. Uh, you're gonna find classics, imports, hard to find films, new releases. Their prices are great. The choices are pretty much endless. Um, and I gotta tell you, man, physical media is the way to go. You can own all the titles you love. You can enjoy all the bonus features you don't get anywhere else. So yeah, don't waste your time streaming or looking for your favorites on TV. You can own them. Click the Movies Unlimited banner. MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website where shipping is always free on orders over 50 bucks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now back to our conversation with Emily Deschanel. I love Terminator 2, another lady kicking butt. Um, and just so She's so amazing in that film. She's oh my so God. Amazing. 
Oh, I did not see the newest one. I literally have not seen a movie in years <laughs> that like has come out. Um, <clears throat> I have to, I end up seeing things at home because I have kids, but um, love that film. Love like just being purely entertained and scared and um, um, surprised and just on the edge of my seat. And, um, and, and, you know, yeah, seeing a woman taking power. I mean, she truly did have power and I mean, she was fighting. Right. And what an interesting plot twist to have like the Terminator, you know, switch sides in that film. But, um, this is like the most, uh, mainstream film you could talk about, I think, but I loved it. And then Another film and I loved, and it's not going to be a surprise now when you like are seeing some themes with me wanting that female character taking power is Silence of the Lambs. Oh, <clears throat> sure. Uh, and another um, incredible performance by uh, Jodie Foster. Um, I, I mean, I pretty much love anything she does, really. Um, but we that just rewatched film... that for like the first time, and because uh, I'm, I'm, I, I give the not Manhunter is still sort of my favorite of those. Oh, uh, I love Manhunter but, too. But I get sort of like you know, I was like, I've not seen Silence, and we watched it, and God, I, I just I forgot. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's almost perfect. I think. Are you? Are you? Like, where do you come down on that, Joe? You must love that. Well, it's terrific. I saw. I I, I sat behind Jodie Foster at, at the screening. Jonathan oh. set up. Uh, and, uh, and when it was over, my girlfriend and I said, we're just glad you're alive still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that end sequence where she has the, the night vision. Or he oh, no, he has the, sorry. Yeah. He has, you see her through his night and vision. Goggles. Her and yes. oh, oh, my God. It's just such a brilliant, I mean, so terrifying. Um, it really, it felt out of left field for Demi. I mean, he'd done stuff that had elements, yeah. but it was just like that, that thing, just everything came together so well. And, um, what did, I just saw something recently where they just lifted, I've seen a bunch of things ever since where they've tormented you or played on the fact that, that, uh, you've, you've seen that fake out. Remember when, when, uh, yes. they go to the house and you think everything's yes. okay, that it's somebody else's house, which is obviously yes. done. I actually just saw something recently where they just did that fake out verbatim and I was really annoyed by it, but yeah, be more so creative than that. That yeah. that was so specifically, I mean, I don't think they, I haven't, I never saw that specific fake. I've not seen that before either. Was that before that movie? We, we, Joe has seen, I can't remember to say this. Almost I know, every movie. I, no, I, it was, it was a pretty, pretty new twist. Yeah. That was, that was incredible. Because you, you remember that feeling when you're like the door opens and it's done and you're just, oh. and it's not, and That's then cool. you see him take the skin off or oh. <laughs> that, that movie I will watch. Like if they happen, if I'm in a hotel room or whatever, you guys know, cause you probably mm-hmm. you have to be in hotel rooms too. It's like you, if you, or whenever you turn on television, if uh, that movie is playing at any point, I will drop everything to watch that film. Yeah. It's pretty easy to get sucked into. Um, yeah, and he's that, so good. We just saw Anthony Hopkins. Oh my god! Oh, the father. Did you guys see the father? Oh yeah, no, we oh, had yes, the we had, had the writer director on the show. The writer yeah. director on. I have yes. okay. 
shattering. That film was incredible. That film was really incredible. (laughs) And he did such an incredible performance. That's top, top performances of his. I mean, you know, we're talking a range yeah. For most actors, can never reach with this top. Yeah, I was not prepared for how great he was going to be. It's it's we we just watched the other night. Um, uh, what is it? When eight bells toll. Oh, an old one. Yes, and I have back in his drinking days. Because it's he, about he it considers like, himself a completely different person now. Oh, well, he is almost. It's like 1970. It's based on yeah. Alistair McLean. I think it's based on Alistair McLean. Yeah, it is one of his books. But McLean also wrote the script. And I love those when I was a kid. And he's basically, it's, it's essentially a sort of James Bondy kind of thing. And he's running around trying to stop some guys who are hijacking boats. And he's like in his early 30s. And there's just something, you, you can see how they were trying to turn him into something that he just wasn't quite suited for. Because he's just not action man. But there were a couple of moments where, um, and in fact, one is with a woman who, who he's, um, he, he, he's not sure he can trust or not. And of course, it's 1970. So of course, they take one look at each other and they're like, we must make love. But the look in his eyes, there's that thing that he didn't do a lot or they never noticed before until Hannibal Lecter, that he has this thing that he can do where his eyes just go cold and dead. That's so terrifying. And after having seen Hannibal Lecter, now watching this film, you're like, oh my God, he's going to kill her. <laughs> Right. Oh, no, he's going to make sweet love to her. Yes. 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 And then cook her it's up and eat her luck. with a nice chianti. Yeah, exactly. And fava beans. And fava beans. Fava beans and a nice chianti. Yeah, and you love Manhunter. That's a great film, too. That's well, Brian Cox in that yes. one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So fantastic. There's no slouch either. No. I think the, he had the advantage of you You hadn't, um, I, I certainly had most, but you had not seen him before. So there was always yeah. that possibility that Michael Mann had actually cast a real serial killing cannibal in the part. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's Michael Mann. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, terrifying. Fiends, you can't. Cops. And that story too is 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 he is breaking in. Well, some people might not have seen Manhunter, so I'm not going to tell you oh, like okay. how the killer kills. Or gets, oh well. Right, but it's the okay. You can cut it out, but. But if I recall correctly, because it's been a few years since I've yeah. seen that, but it's like he did the home video. He was the home film, the home movies. The they home were processing movies? the home movies, and then he would case the homes by watching them because he worked at the lab. That yeah. kind of thing creeps me out, and I yeah. don't think I slept for a good week after watching that film. Yeah, yeah, I would have stopped shooting home film, like movies on, you know, Super Eight. Yeah, I was still yeah. doing that when that movie came out. Yeah, if, if if that still was happening at that time, which it probably it, well, it was pretty much yeah, it was about to end. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Now we just shoot them on our phones. That's right, and they're perfectly safe there. No one can ever get to the. No the, one gets that cloud is very I safe. I very guess, so that's which is why all I do is just shoot stuff of myself naked because no one's ever going to get it because it. <laughs> it's safe in the cloud. It's just oh, locked you, you down tight. Gosh, I'm not. Them. I'm not so sure that it's as safe as you think. Yeah, no, they call it the cloud. It's like imp- it's impenetrable. You can't you can't break through a cloud. <laughs> Clouds, can't be done. Can't. Clouds nope. also drift away. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Rock solid. Rock solid. You can um, reach right into a cloud, grab whatever nude photos you got in there and pull them right out. I might need to go do some erasing. Um, <laughs> what's next? Um, okay, what's next? Oh, you know what? I think it's truly madly deeply. Mm. Which is I believe Anthony Mangella's first film. Right. 
right. or second film. It's one of his first films. And um, Juliet Stevenson uh, plays a grieving, she's not a widow. She's, she, her, it's her boyfriend who died of a cold. And um, have you guys seen this? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Cause I don't know. I assume you guys have seen everything, but. Um, Joe has. I've, I've not seen you've it. Not seen it. Okay, okay. What? You've seen this one. Somebody brought it up a while ago and I was like, oh, I gotta see that. I need to see that. I know I need to and I haven't. Oh, did someone else bring it up on this Oh, show? like a long time ago. It's all right. You're allowed. We don't. I haven't listened to every episode. I bet so you I they didn't say the same things about it that you're going to say. That's just well, like it. It's very possible. I Well, I will say they pro the rest of their movies were not as lowbrow as mine. So I still win, I think. But well, I bet it was Caleb. <laughs> probably hilarious probably not i feel like his would all be about i actually never i haven't listened to his oh, i i need to listen good. to him he was, he was a good guest he was a great i guy. bet i bet he's a great guest and i bet he talked about like french new wave about a lot i don't know that's my guess but um which i love as well hey uh, godard Truffaut, i love it all but the the you know hey i want to be the lowbrow guest um uh, but truly, madly, deeply is not necessarily lowbrow at all. But um, yeah, it's Anthony Mangella's first film. It's quite a lovely, sweet kind of portrait of grief in a certain way. Um, it was a, a, I think the first time many people saw Alan Rickman, and Alan Rickman mm -hmm. is incredible. So he plays the um, dead boyfriend, and she's grieving, and she gives this incredible performance. Um, and then <laughs> he comes back as a ghost to her life. And it's uh, uh, just quite lovely, but humorous. And then, uh, well, I don't want to give it all away. It's just, especially Josh, if you've never seen it, it's, I think it holds no, it's, up. It's the price I pay for doing this show. That's the price people pay. It's the, pr the price I pay. It, uh, <laughs> the price you pay. Yeah. Yes, every now and then. You're expected to see as a cinephile, you have to see every movie, right? Um, well, if you've seen if you've seen Blythe Spirit or if you've seen The Ghost yes. of Mrs. Muir, I mean, you've, yes. you've got you, you've got the template for what this is. Seen yes. Blythe sort of Spirit. I, I played the Rex Harrison part in a high school production of Blythe Spirit. I've never really? seen I've read Blythe Spirit as a play, yeah. of course. And I've, I feel like I've did I've done scenes from Blythe Spirit in acting class in school. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen Blythe Spear. No, it's, it's a David Lean movie. It's it's quite uh, it's quite based good. on the play, obviously. Yeah, it was originally yeah. a play, Joe. It was the. Maybe it was, I did see that. It was the role that made Margaret Rutherford into a star. Maybe I did see that a million years ago. It's in color, which is rare for. I was going to say it's black period. and white or color. No, it's in color. I guess it's in color. But it was that was that was a moment speaking of, you know, I guess you could do the theater that unmade me. That was when I decided I was not gonna be an actor. <laughs> Our loss. What was it that made you not um what made what made you feel it's like it's hard, man? You know, you gotta remember lines. That's you gotta remember. That, that was that was I, I will never, this is insane. That's <laughs> the just, easiest part. <laughs> oh, for you. I remember there was one uh, the 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 uh the actress, the actress, she was the high school student who, who played my wife uh, the professional living performer. <laughs> yeah, we were both 17. There was a breakfast scene, I still remember this the second act where we would always blow our lines, but we had at least enough of a thing going on between us that we could kind of riff. I remember every night looking out, you'd see the director in the back and he was just losing his mind because we were just talking about just absolute twaddle. 
and and making it sound like it was because we kept forgetting the lines it was such a it was just not a great scene but that's kind of great that you were able to you didn't freeze i feel like a lot of people would freeze but it wasn't you know we were not master improvisers right right it was like oh i would like some more english muffins please oh i think we're out of butter (laughs) it's not harry sheer and christopher gas and michael you know what no one was going oh wow these are noel coward's best lines (laughs) yeah right (laughs) it's like is this Wow, I thought Noel Coward was it's so bad. realistic. It's so it's like a docudrama. He was so down to earth that Noel. Coward. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. You got to stand up in front of people. You can't be. If I'm if I'm writing, I don't even have to wear pants. If I'm in a bad mood, it doesn't affect. He the doesn't work. even have to wear pants when he does the podcast. Good point. You want me to stand ah. up? The the um the uh, yeah. I mean, there's just so many things that can go wrong when you're doing this job. That that uh, you know, there's not a camera pointed at you. There aren't people sitting in a theater waiting for you to like. That's that's terrifying. You're you know, not I'm writing, deep. and I can't figure out what comes next. It's no big deal. I go off and play a video game and come back. But I was gonna say, doesn't it affect you if you're like in a bad mood? Doesn't I mean you go and play a video game and you just come yeah. back, but you're not on somebody else's time. Yeah, exactly. That's no one's standing there about... looking at me, going, "Oh wow, he's in a bad mood." Right, right. Well, wh- can't you do the scene? You're supposed to be doing the scene. You're supposed yeah. to be really happy in the scene, and you're, you know, a real bummer right now. And you're supposed to be entertaining us. Yeah, that that I do. I actually, as an actor, I do find that sometimes to be a challenge when it's like. You have zero time to compose yourself, especially, well, in theater, you just have to go on when, when yeah, eight yeah. o'clock, eight oh five or whatever. And then in film and television, you know, you are just, you know, people come and prod at you and make sure you look right and fix your clothes and fix your microphone, fix your hair, makeup, fix your, and once everything's oh, done, once the camera's ready, no one asks, like, if the actors are ready <laughs> or usually no one asks that. So it's That's one of those things. You're right. Good God. You know, I've only been in the business 30 years. I've never noticed anyone asking. Yeah. Well, we don't care. <laughs> you're expected to perform at any drop exactly. of a hat. Exactly. So oh it's not God. like you are the camera. You know, you have to make sure the lighting's right. You have to make sure everything's right with the camera. You have to make sure everything's right with whatever wardrobe, blah, blah, blah. But it's more internal, right? So I remember one time I had to do like some big stunt or something. And I was hooked up to some gear. And like, just all, and like someone's with me and then all of a sudden it's like action. And then I get like pulled across the room. I'm like, guys, can we just, can you just ask me if I'm ready or can I just give you an okay before you yank my entire body across? And that's not even performing any kind of emotion of any kind or like any kind of true acting that's just physically i want a little control over my body yeah exactly (laughs) uh listen actors get a lot of perks in this business so but that is one thing that's that's kind of uh hard we should mention again she has the largest microphone we've ever seen so yeah (laughs) what 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 am i overcompensating for i don't know um what um Oh, but I'm I'm impressed, Josh, that you were able to improvise. I I I feel like if I when I was a young actor, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. And maybe I would. I don't know. But I I th- I, I will say, there's nothing that I love more of that terrifying moment on stage when you forget your line, because it actually brings you into focus. I know we're supposed to be talking about film right now, but That's all right. we're talking about Blythe Spirit. We're yeah. going no Howard. Here we are. 
there's that moment where it, in one sense, it takes you out. In another sense, it makes you so incredibly present. Like you are aware you're doing a play, but it, it makes you so hyper. Talk about like present moment. And like time slows down and it is terrifying, but you just have to go and free fall and trust that you'll know what to say. And if it's the line, it's the line. If it's not the line. To quote Waiting for Guffman, I feel like Fred Willard and it says something like, if, if, if there's a pause, just say a line, even if, even if it's from another show. That's what I do. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you just say a line, even if it's from another show. And that's what you did, Josh. So that's impressive. It was fun. I don't know. I'm, I, have I, there's a great, oh God, I, I can't remember if it's Richard Harris telling the story about Peter O'Toole or vice versa. But we'll just go with like uh, Peter Old O'Toole. Old English actors, yeah. Right. Yeah, Peter O'Toole's in some town in the Midlands and he walks into a pub across the street from a theater and he's going to be on Richard Harris is sitting there. They haven't seen each other in a while. They have a couple of drinks. And then Richard Harris goes, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, oh, like, come on over with me. And they walk across the street and they, they go to the theater and the people, you know, they say, oh my God, they open the doors and they go up to, a, um, you know, a, a, a private little, uh, oh my God, I'm losing my words, you know, the little... Uh, a rehearsal space? No, no, no. There's a play going on. They're they're up in the balcony, one of the little balconies, the box. box on the side. Oh, box balcony. Yeah. And the play begins, and and it goes on, and um, uh, goes on for a while, and then the scene starts, and it sort of starts going nowhere, and and Peter O'Toole can tell that the actors are now just vamping. They're sort of making up lines. He goes, "Well, what is this? What's going on?" And Richard Harris goes, "They're waiting for me to make my entrance." <laughs> 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 that's awesome okay so the next okay we're ready for the next movie absolutely the producers the original movie from the 1970s with zero mostel 60s i mean zero mostel and gene wilder uh this yes. film <laughs> very highbrow again um, I just love two comedy greats, like so broad and big in such an amazing way. Um, it's something that I think of, I don't know, you know, you, you, as an actor, it's like you want to push as far as you can and get away with it and still be believable, right? In that world, they could go so far and it's just so delicious um so i love that film i've never seen the remake you don't have to <laughs> yeah I, I think the remake was just to like it, but... introduce it to a new generation right oh wait but joe did you never see that you didn't see the play uh i saw the play and i saw the movie yeah because i mean i saw i saw like the la it was, it was, it was fine i didn't i didn't need it yeah I mean, I'd be curious to see the play. I'd be curious. I mean, I'm curious to see the new movie too, but um, I, the original film, you can't beat it. I yep. mean, it's just yep. so crazy and goofy. And I don't know, like the card, but that's another thing from high school that we would reenact, not necessarily on video, but just like friends. <laughs> Did you guys do that? Or is that just a thing that actors do as they're growing up where you're like, reenact movies with your friends 
No, we used to do it when I was a kid, but it was be it would be like we would see Moby Dick, and then everybody would you know act like they were Captain Ahab and and all the other characters, and and, and for westerns, yeah. always for westerns. Oh, for westerns, sure. Seldom other kinds of movies. So wait, so you would run around and pretend to be like when you were what twelve, like a, a vengeance obsessed maniac trying to kill a whale. That was, yeah. <laughs> 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 what do you think kids want to do? I mean, I have two boys. I was Batman. I was oh, okay. always Batman. They want to recapture the. They want to recapture the moment of what they saw uh, in the movies, and because you know those, yeah. these were things we saw in the movies. They were larger than life, and they were part of the world that we wanted to be part of after we came home. It makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. I grew up doing that too. Um, I, what's disturbing is since COVID, I have two kids who you know, started playing video games and then their real life, their imaginary play became about video games. Like re they would reenact Ro Roblox games and things like that, which you probably don't even know about with us. <laughs> something I wouldn't know about until last year. But anyway, it's it, that's disturbing. Like kids reenacting video games. At least they are playing in real life, I guess is all I, <laughs> at least they're not allowed to play. I, mean, I just told you about the Pope brothers doing Three right. Stooges. I don't think any video <laughs> game can compare to the awfulness it of It gets that. kind of violent. Some of those video games can, you have to watch out. But anyway, um, uh, the, the producers, um, just so silly and great. And then the other movie I have is Boys in the Hood, which was such a big, film growing up. I mean, when did that come out? In high school for me. Um, and that was such a like LA film too. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in a mostly white neighborhood and a, a white, you know, all that, but I grew up in Los Angeles. And um, so I, I, I don't know, I found that movie quite moving. And I don't know, I really connected to it as a kid too. Um, and hey, that's about guys. So I do like movies about guys as well as <laughs> women. Uh, you kind of have to <laughs> if you're a woman. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you have to be pretty thin picking. Exactly, especially <laughs> when I was growing up. Uh, but but I mean, this is a, you know a banal observation, but that's kind of one of the great things that movies do, do is they they put you in the shoes of people you are yeah. not. You know, in just very profound ways. Yeah. So. But I guess when you're not, you don't see yourself so many times and like, you know, by so many marginalized yeah. people have not felt that way. It, it's hard to get an in at all if you're never seeing anybody like yourself. I think that right. is probably pretty um, hard. I mean, hey, I'm just female. I'm white. I have a lot of privilege. I have, you know, I grew up with you're yeah, I, I, you know, I, I recognize all that, but I did feel that lack of gender representation for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Especially as I, you know, was growing up and coming of age, that meant something to me when I did see women, strong female, and I think specifically like physically strong female characters. But mm. those are kind of what resonated with me more than like, you know, I can look at films and appreciate their beauty or, you know, um, appreciate all kinds of things about what they're trying to say, what it's trying to say. But if I don't feel a connection to that, I don't, it doesn't resonate with me as much, but. 
Um, I didn't really realize that actually until I was like looking at films that kind of made a difference for me growing, you know, as I was <laughs> growing up when I was, you know, looking at things to do for this show. And uh, I was thinking about, I, I, I think I wrote a paper on it to a certain in, in high school for my film class a bit, but. Oh, on Boys uh, and no, no, mode. I'm talking about women and oh, females and all that. I'm oh, going back just, oh, in general, oh, okay. kind Sorry. of philosophy, yeah. philosophically trying to look at like why I like certain things. Um, but Boys in the Hood, I think because it was so Los Angeles, it was of the time. And um, mm. I don't know, I connected with those characters um, in a certain way. And um, yeah. Um, yeah, he did. There, there's a kind of, um, uh, especially with that film, he had a, uh, I remember when I first saw it, I, I found it kind of annoying because I was in a very um, a phase of really being down on this gentleman's films, but I thought it had a little bit of a sort of Spielberg even year. On John Singleton's films in general? It. And Well, no, no, on, on Spielberg's oh, films, yeah. the idea of sort of giving it that. Right. And then I went back and I saw it again a few years ago um, and actually realized that's that's actually kind of one of its strengths is because it does it sort of invites people in who might not ordinarily um i think it makes it more welcoming to people who might have been you know off put somehow you know it's got it's, a mainstream um, appeal and that's the spielberg element right i mean spielberg is like yeah or you know a white appeal right and white yeah, appeal but, i'm yeah, sure it's like yeah. it's not necessarily right like it's a film that you know that was probably intentional in many ways right it has the wide yeah. stream and that includes white people right um but yeah i i totally hear that and um um and i i don't know i i i i can like films that are very um you know big huge uh, huge mainstream um and um you know, kind of big and big budget, blah, blah, blah. And that appeal to lots of people and then the small movies too. But I think that was smart that they made that film so kind of mainstream and yeah. probably what yeah. was stealing from the Spielberg-esque um, stuff that appealed. Yeah, not so much stealing, but just sort of leaning into that kind of style of filmmaking, which was a, interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of, there were other films around the time or after that were kind of um, in a similar vein and they were always kind of going for a much, you know, more overtly kind of gritty yeah. feel to them. And, uh, and um, I mean, there's some great ones, but, but yeah, that had a kind of way of uh, sneaking past some audiences that might not otherwise have gone to see it, um, which is pretty cool. But, uh, wow. Well, was there ever, was there any connection between you going, I, I want to act and, and, you know, anything specific, a movie you had seen was that, or was it just a kind of cumulative effect or also growing up in the house you grew up in, it might be. Yeah. I mean, my mom's an actor, so I saw it as a profession you could do it. So, I mean, so many actors I know who grew up, they didn't really think you could actually be an actor or, or it was not acceptable. Right. All right. You're, parents are doing it Jeez, but yeah like, they have no you know nothing to say if we decided to go into right. that field right and we saw we saw how hard it was you know we saw all kinds of mm -hmm. you know family friends super talented actors struggling but I, my first love was doing theater so to me it was not film it was theater um but mm. 
of course I, I love films. I love movies. And, um, but I don't, I feel like when I, my, my first interest in acting came and for many years was really just focused on theater and, you know, um, didn't really think about doing films or film or TV or anything like that until later on. But I don't know. There's certain, yeah, there's certain performances. I mean, I love Juliet Stevenson's performance in Truly Madly Deeply. I thought, I mean, I probably, that was, and when I look at some films that we're talking about today, um, you know, and Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs and other films, but um, there, those are certainly I- inspiring to me. But I'm, I, I'm not the kid who grew up and was like, crazy watching every movie cinephile clearly (laughs) you know um cinephile seeing everything being like i want to make movies that was not that was not me i i didn't even know i wanted to be an actor until much later on so um uh but i had an outside appreciation for them and i knew people could do those jobs because my parents did those jobs but yeah, that seems that would be. I didn't even really thought about, it. but yeah, there's a sort of mystification to it. I mean, Joe, you didn't, you know, like me, we didn't, we didn't grow up around it. It had to be was was there had to be long parts of your life when you were young where like that was just a thing that people who lived in a fantasy land that we would never be part of did for a living. Is would that be a fair assessment when you were a kid? Yeah, you never thought of it as something that was available for you to do. Yeah, you know, it's just something you enjoyed. Yeah, but God, I imagine like, yeah, if I go over in a house where my parents worked in it, and I was like, yeah, oh, these clowns can do it. <laughs> exactly. I can totally do that. I can do that. You know? I can do that. Yeah, I, um, do that. I know. I finally went to Universal Studios for my son's uh, friend's birthday. And we went on the back lot tour. And the two mm. other moms were doctors. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't think about how this must be like for what for us is like touring a hospital, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I exactly. was like, no, it's still interesting. It's still interesting as a... Wow, a grip yeah. you say. Yeah, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad we Thanks finally got for, you. For, for lowering the brow. Uh, dumbing, you're so welcome for dumbing it all down. <laughs> you can thank me. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you ten episodes that that uh, are gonna are gonna make you feel so highbrow. It's um, okay, okay. I maybe was listening to the wrong episodes. No, I I I feel like anybody and and uh, if he hears this, he'll he'll know I mean this person. I think anybody who's concerned that the show is too highbrow needs to listen to Eli Roth talk about his favorite terrible '80s sex comedies that ran on HBO all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that will that's high, that's high class. You know what? <laughs> that might have been the dumbest. <laughs> There's certain things that shape us, the right? Picture. There's certain things that like yep. that shape us, and a lot of times those things are not the things that make us like intellectually stimulated. That's like the things that like. Uh, uh, that that connect to us <laughs> and that sex comedies yeah. you know sometimes <laughs> they make you feel rather than think i guess so i don't know that's right uh, no i i wish citizen kane and uh and jules and jim are what made me want to get into film but you know oh my god i love jules and i mean jules and jim and I mean, I love Citizen Kane somewhat, but Jules, Jules and Jim, I, I, that is a, well, I, one of my favorite films, but 
a million people can talk about that film. Yeah, but it no, isn't, exactly. I don't feel, so, I remember t- going to see that film, side note, with a friend and her boyfriend at the time. And he's like, what was that? That was like, like you were like, think, it was just like you're thinking about it. I was like, that's what it was. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's so great about it or something. I don't know. But really what like, really, like I remember are the things that make you feel. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have to ask the, the one question is, is um, now you've come through the other end of this uh, in, in one piece. Supposedly. Was it, was it, was it, was it, uh, were, were we terrifying? Was not at all. Not at all. I worry that it's like not no. all entertaining and no, it's, that it's, I'm going to be great. My, no, my... Once he's, once he's cut it down. to 50 minutes, <laughs> And I also fear that I'm going to seem like such a like lowbrow dumb dumb and I didn't do my work, but no, it, you know, oh whatever. But my, my, my question is what could, what could I possibly have said to you say a week or two weeks ago that could have gotten you past the concerns? No, you did say, you did say, no, we love it. And you did tell me about the uh, Eli Roth thing and that helped me. Okay. No, that totally helped me. If I hadn't felt that way, I would be like locked in a room watching all like, I don't know, German expressionist film. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I might be like pretending to be into something else and getting into, I don't know, re- rewatching things. Frame by frame study of Dr. Yeah. Caligari. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I do. I have one friend I'm dying to get on the show. Actually, I actually have two uh, who would be great guests and um, uh, people would love to hear. And they are both still a little intimidating. It's like, this is insane. One of them is, in fact, the person who made movies that made me want to make movies. I'm like, you, you what the? And, and somehow it's impossible to communicate to them. We, we don't want to. We're not going to test you. Well, I wonder, I wonder if you play Joe them this you. episode. <laughs> Here you go. You're going to be we better than this well, girl, believe me. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you thank so much. You. Thanks, Emily. It was fun. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.